I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week. Uh, this is the third take for me, so let's hope I get it correct on take three. Richie Zients is the producer for Fox Sports' NFL coverage. He is the lead producer on the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews, etc. team. And he will be producing his sixth Super Bowl on February 3rd as the lead game producer. Richie Zients has been in the business for a long time, so he's done uh, other responsibilities at Super Bowls. But this is the sixth, number six for him as the lead game producer. Rich Russo is the lead NFL director for Fox Sports. This will be the fourth Super Bowl Rich Russo has directed. These are two guys who've been in the business for a long time, have won a ton of awards, and I'm excited about this conversation because they're going to give us some insight into what it takes to direct and produce a Super Bowl. Richie and Rich, welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Good to be with you. All right. I apologize. That was three takes for me, Uh, but this but let's hope I do a better job on the question part of this interview. I'm going to start with you, Richie Zients, because I know how excited you are about doing this podcast. What oh, uh, haven't slept yes. for days, but I, I think I I'm ready. I appreciate that. What, Richie? What keeps you up at night about Super Bowl Sunday? The unexpected. You can prepare as much as you can and and think you have things handled, but something comes your way and it's, you know, you just hope your instincts and those around you's instincts handle it, handle it well. Um, you know, the game is the game. And I think once the game starts, you relax and you settle into what you've always done. It's the, it's the lead up. It's, 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 uh, you wake up and I, I always feel a sense of nerves and energy and excitement. And I get a little less. So once I get to the stadium, I get into the truck with it's our home away from home. And it's like a comfortable surrounding, and you're surrounded by the people you 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 work with and you're comfortable with, and you know your excitement builds as the game gets closer. You know, at a Super Bowl, you have all the preliminary activities that have to be covered, and you know those are the things that we normally don't have to deal with, and those are probably the things that I I, I worry about a little bit more. And then once the game starts, it's a game, and again, you just hope your instincts help you when when things happen that you don't expect what about you rich russo no i I would echo what what richie said about the unexpected i mean i'd be lying to you if i said this is just another football game uh we are fortunate to do you know the big games every sunday and and thursday night and obviously the playoffs leading up to it but obviously with all the hype you know the two weeks leading up to this uh obviously the enormity of it um is is certainly huge I think what Richie said is true. I think the hype leading up to it, once the game starts, you have to treat it like a football game. I'll be honest with you, when the teams come down the tunnel, I think there's a certain adrenaline for all of us. And we really want everything, obviously, to go smoothly. And we do the intros, we do the anthem, and all the activities that occur between 6 and 6.30 – and then once the ball is kicked, you can't really think about the 120 million people that are watching. You just have to treat it like a football game. And exactly what Richie said, we have to use our instincts uh, like we we got to treat it like a game like any other any other uh, Sunday or Thursday. Uh, Richie, I'm going to start with you here. You guys, uh, when I say you guys, like the, the director and producer, the real key production people, replay producer, et cetera, usually go down to the Super Bowl Usually the Sunday I, I hear, or maybe Monday morning of Super Bowl week. So let's start with, um, let's start with whatever day you land in Miami, as specific as you can. Can you take me through? Uh, and Rich Russo, you can pop in here at any time you want as well. But Richie, can you take me through sort of what happens day to day 
um, for your group in terms of what you're doing every day to prepare for kickoff on Sunday? Well, when I land in Miami, it'll be the same urges I have when I land in any city. My first thing is where am I having lunch? So when I get to Miami, the first place I'm going to look for is a Cuban place where I can get some Oroz con pollo and some fried plantains. So that's number one, and that doesn't change from small games to big games. Then I'll probably head out to the stadium just to get just to see what's going on, touch base with people. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a day that we have anything going on uh, officially, but it's just kind of to settle in, get to the trucks, just just look around, figure out where our truck is because that's not the easiest thing on, on these Super Bowls. It's a, it's a huge it's a huge uh, community of uh, television trucks, and then you know. The work doesn't really start. We have Tuesday morning is the final broadcast meeting for the Super Bowl. They get us into a big room, and it's television, it's radio, it's NFL people, it's operations people, it's security people, and it's a it's a big imposing room. You know, with a big, usually a square setup where you know people are filling filling up the walls around the room and they go over, you know, they go over everything. They go over the whole week and they, things that we've already talked about. And then specifically we, we hone in on, you know, procedures, procedures for Sunday, you know, and, and what television's needs are and when things happen and how they happen and who's involved and, and who's doing this and who's doing that. And that's again, run by NFL broadcasting and all the rights holders are there. And um, so that's Tuesday. That's, that's the first, official thing that we have to do all right rich russo you want to pick up wednesday what happens wednesday and then you guys can go back and forth during the week yeah sure i mean i mean richie's right on on monday you know like he said we'll we'll go out to the stadium i mean we'll also um we look at you know a lot of kansas city and, and san francisco games as well so like on monday if we're in the room we'll I'll con- continue some of the prep work from the from the week uh the week prior on monday um, and what I will do is I will put some final touches on what are called camera assignments and camera responsibilities um, for for these teams. And basically, we come up with different camera responsibilities for all different situations, whether it's two receivers, three receivers, four receivers, you know, all the situations with uh, red zone, you know, short yardage, goal line, reaction type type cameras. And I come up, I put the final touches on that. Um, on Monday. And like Richie said, Tuesday's basically, you know, a, a big day with the league. We also will, we also will be at the stadium and we'll sit down in our truck on Tuesday and we'll go through what's called our monitor wall. And we'll just make sure we'll sit down and we'll make sure that we're comfortable um, with all the added equipment, with all the added cameras, with all the added EVS machines uh, that are in front of us and that we're comfortable at, with the location of that. And that will that will certainly take some time. Tuesday, we'll also do a, a little bit of a walkthrough if there are any last-minute potential camera changes or any questions uh, within within the stadium. Um, and then, you know, Wednesday, we basically visit with one team. We go um, to practice and meetings uh, with one team. And go ahead, Richie. Um, we will – Wednesday and Thursday are the two days that we – that we visit the teams. So Wednesday is Kansas City Chiefs Day. So the entire the entire broadcast crew, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Aaron Andrews, Chris Myers, usually a few uh, guys from the pregame show, uh, we will go to Kansas City's practice, which is at the Miami Dolphins facility in Davie, Florida, probably about 45 minutes from, from Miami Beach where we're staying. And we'll watch practice. And then we will get in cars and uh, and go back to the Chiefs Hotel and sit down with uh, some players and coaches and have production meetings. And, you know, that will probably go to practice is at one thirty, So uh, we'll probably get done with them about 6 o'clock. You know, so we'll meet with Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, um, you know, we select a few players that uh, that, that Troy uh, is interested in speaking with, and you know the meetings are usually conducted by Troy. He talks to, he asks most of the questions. Joe and the others jump in, um, 
but it's usually a very informal type of session and it's uh it's very helpful and then thursday we do the same with the 49ers we'll we'll go visit them they're practicing at the university of miami and we'll watch their practice and then we'll go back to uh, their hotel and we'll talk to uh kyle shanahan their defensive coordinator george salad jimmy garoppolo we'll talk to um I have to remember who we're talking to. Joe Staley, the veteran lineman who's been there for a long time, is his sixth coach, and he's finally, uh, you know, he had one Super Bowl opportunity. Now this is his second. We'll talk to him. And uh, D. Ford, the defensive lineman who, uh, you know, used to play with the Chiefs. Now he's in the Super Bowl with the 49ers. So Wednesday and Thursday are days with the teams, and those are, you know, two of the more fun days of the week. All right, Rich Russo, what happens Friday and Saturday? Yeah, well, well, also Thursday, I'll just add Thursday Thursday morning, what I'll do is I'll have a, a, a the big camera meeting with all the camera operators, all the uh, EVS operators, and I'll spend about 90 minutes on going through the assignment, the camera assignment plan that we have for the game. Um, obviously, some, some things can, can change based on our meetings, based on, you know, our talks, you know, with, with, with Joe, with Troy and Joe, Richie, the announcers based on our, our interviews. Um, but I'll have a big meeting on Thursday prior to, uh, prior to when we go visit, uh, visit the team on Friday is really a, a big rehearsal day. We have a high school team that will, will come, uh, come this year. It's going to be the Stone, Stoneman Douglas high school from Parkland. Uh, that's going to come They're about 40, 40 minutes or so, uh, from the stadium. And what we do is we do a full rehearsal a rehearsal from the team introductions to the national anthem. Demi Lovato will, will be there, you know, um, rehearsing the anthem. She'll be there live. Um, we'll go through the anthem, America the Beautiful. We'll run through the coin toss. We'll run through all the events that occur from, you know, from 6 to 6.30. And then what we'll do is they'll spend about an hour to an hour and 15, hour and a half just running some plays. And what that is really for some of the additional cameras and the additional equipment that we have. And they'll just run some sideline plays. They'll run some, you know, some two receivers, three receivers. They'll run some goal line plays. We'll just basically taking a, a, a pretty much a look at some of the additional cameras that we have. And it's a lot of fun for them, but we do get, you know, we do get a lot out of it. And that's, that's really a long day. I mean, they'll probably get there roughly 10 to 10.30, and, and they may be there till, you know, the 6.37 or so. So it's a full a full uh, rehearsal day is what, what Friday is. And then Saturday? Sa- Saturday, for us, we try actually not to go to the stadium. Um, to, be on- to be perfectly honest with you, we, we try to not go unless there's something that we need to go. Uh, for if there's any fires to be put out or something, you know, that, that, that makes us want to go need to need to go there. Um, we have our production meeting at three o'clock. Richie, I think it is. Well, I think you know, we're in, gonna in the, in the past on Saturday uh, years ago when we first started doing them, we used to go out to the stadium because the teams would have walkthroughs. They get to see the stadium. Um, we would go to that, and it just turned out it was more hassle than it was worth it, so we stopped. On Saturdays, what we try to do is 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 meet with the game officials. Uh, we've done it in the past. We're trying to work it out this year. We meet with the uh, uh, Al Riveron. We would meet with the uh, the referee. In this case, it'll be Bill Vinovich and a few of his uh, officials. Would come over to the hotel, sit down with us in a room, and just talk things through. It's just good FaceTime. You know, we talk about officiating so much. It's uh, Vinovich is, is one of the best guys, certainly for, for us to deal with. Um, and, and we just talk about situations. And Mike Pereira, that's where he's a big part of it. And Dean Blandino for Fox, they'll both be in the room. And we'll maybe just talk through some situations, get clarity on a few things, you know, things we talk about, but maybe haven't had the opportunity to sit across from them and, and, and actually hear their side of things. So that's a very helpful session. I hope it happens this year. And then, like Russo said, We'll have our production meeting, which on a normal Sunday would be at six o'clock. Uh, we'll get it out of the way at four, and, and that way everyone gets 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 it done early. Everybody can go out and relax, have dinner, uh, not have the meeting stretch into the uh, into the evening. It's it's usually about maybe an hour. You know, at that meeting, we'll 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 you know the executives for Fox will be there, the production crew. It's a big crew, probably be about thirty people in the room. 
Um, a large part of the meeting is we look at the elements that might might show up on TV, graphics, uh, little tape pieces that might show up, and uh, you know maybe and just talk about some storylines and just you know things that uh, we want to make sure we touch on, don't miss. Um, and we try to get through that and not uh, you know beat everything to death. But it is a Super Bowl, so we'll probably take a little more time than we would at a production meeting in October or November. And Richard, one thing, what Richie was saying about the, the officials, it is good because normally they'll come in, normally before a game, you know, they'll come in two, two and a half hours before the game really to touch base with us. You know, and maybe that's just for five minutes. Having the opportunity to spend, you know, some time with them on, on Saturdays is, is always good. And even, th- I was talking about the pregame, you know, um, activities, even things like the coin toss. I can actually, you know, have conversations with the, ref as to how we're going to actually block the coin toss. Now, he's actually going to be there on Friday. They will be there, but it's always good just in case there are any questions uh, to go through that as well, as well as, as Richie said, just to go through the rules again, the PIs, just any questions that anybody, any of the announcers, uh, anybody might have. Yeah, that's 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 actually I didn't know that's that's interesting. The uh, Sunday, Rich Richie Zients. Um, what time would you get to the production truck? What time would you leave your hotel to get to the, the game site? That is usually dictated by what the security people tell us. Uh, they like to get us there early. Uh, I'm going to guess with a kickoff at 640 and all the pregame show things, I imagine I'd be in the truck by noon, which is probably you know a few hours earlier than, than, a, normal, than a normal game. And that's strictly just to get settled in. And, and a lot of times when we leave uh, for these types of events is, is dictated what by what, you know, our security folks might suggest. Rich Russo, same for you in terms of timing on that? Same thing. I mean, we'll go together uh, when we get there. You know, for me, my first real thing is I'll have another camera meeting. So in addition to my big Thursday meeting, I'll have another maybe hour camera meeting to go through again, schedule to go through again certain assignments and to go through storylines, storylines that have, you know, developed through the week, um, things that Troy may be looking at, uh, things that we want to focus on, and I'll translate that to all the camera operators uh, in that time. And then we'll go through a specific schedule as to you know which cameras need to be on at what time and what their specific purpose is uh, in leading in leading up to it. Because I, I will say this, Richard, I will tell you this: that you know every every person in our in the broadcast in the team is such an integral part of what we do. And I really believe that all the men and women take such great pride. It can be all the camera operators. It can be all the EVS operators. It can be people in audio. It can be people in video. I think they all have a sense, you know, there's a real sense of an excitement and they all want to do the, you know, the best possible job they can do. And I, I think, uh, you know, that's, that, 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 that's really important. I think that sometimes gets, lost because you know it could be it can be an EVS operator who all of a sudden catches a definitive play definitive look of a play that gets to Richie that 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 I we put it on the air you know and I, and they all feel that way they really do they all feel that it's it's a big moment it's not really just a big moment for us obviously it is for the announcers but it's for everybody all the men and women that are working in whatever capacity they are during the course during the course of that Sunday and really the course, the buildup up to that, up to the game. And we have a, you know, I think any, any broadcast crew you talk to who does Super Bowls and, and they'll rave about their technical crew and, and rightfully so. Uh, we've, we're particularly close with our crew. A lot of these guys have been with us for 20 years plus. And, um, and, you know, we're, we, we, we really, couldn't do without them. They, they make us look good. We completely appreciate what, what they do. And um, it, it's comforting because I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. And the only way, the only way you can release that pressure or rele- relieve yourself of that pressure is realizing that you're not doing it by yourself. Everybody, everybody, no matter what their responsibility is for the game, feels the same pressure to perform at their best. And it's a team. And if when everybody is pulling in the same direction, the product is so much better.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Richie, uh, what for you is Sunday like in terms of just last-minute checks as you lead up to kickoff? You know, just touching base with announcers, uh, just making sure that, you know, in their preparation, maybe there's some things they've come up with that I need to keep my eye on. Uh, you know, checking with the uh, sideline reporters as they progress through their morning and afternoon about, you know, they're the ones who are really gathering the last-minute information, and, and they're the ones who, um, you know, I, I like to kind of find out what's on their radar. I just kind of have a little checklist for them. Uh, you know, I get to the trucks, and I lay out my, my you know, my little papers and stuff in front of me. I tape them down to the console, so, you know, I've got the rosters there. I've got, uh, you know, storylines there. I've got sideline reporters, storylines there. It's, it's like a little maze of white tape on a, on a console as reminders. And, and that's a comforting thing. You know, you get there. That's your routine. You set that out. You sit down. And then you have a lot of time with really nothing to do, which is good, too. You, know, you just get to talk and unwind and, and, um, and just think. And, uh, you know, the game is the clock is ticking. And you just kind of get a little more anxious. But you're there. You're there, and that's the important thing. You're in the spot. That's where you work. That's your home away from home. And, you know, you're surrounded by people you work with every day for many, many years. And it's, it's like uh, it's comforting. All right, Richie, let me stick with you here uh, because this is this is something I want to ask you. It's very interesting to me. Um, you're well aware, both you and Rich obviously are well aware. Uh, in 2013, February 2013, there was a blackout uh, at the Super Bowl. Uh, power failure at the uh, New Orleans Superdome that caused about, if I remember, a half hour or so of delay. That that was a CBS broadcast. Um, in terms of if you're thinking about, you know, how do you practice for the worst contingencies, that's probably right up there. Obviously, there are some, some things that could be a lot worse, but, you know, blackout at the Super Bowl is like something like a holy shit moment. Uh, how, do we, how do we prepare for this? So I'm curious in terms of, um, as best you can without giving up any kind of, you know, security issues. Like, what's the preparation for worst-case contingencies? Power, outage, blackout, something really horribly going bad in the crowd. How do you guys approach that in your position? Well, for one thing, um, we discussed it ahead of time. We have, we have bosses who are very contingency-happy. They, they plan and think about all these types of things to the point of Russo and Ac- Russo and I actually have, I guess, body doubles. If, if one of us should suddenly have some sort of medical emergency, we have backups in place that will step in and do the game for us. So our bosses do plan for things uh, in that situation. And I really felt for what CBS had to go through. Um, you can plan for anything. And then, and then, you know, the shit hits the fan, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like the military. You know, you can have all the battle plans you want, and then the first bullets are fired, and everything goes out the window. But communication is the most important thing, and that's what Fox will have a plan in place, a, a communication flow, so that we are not um, unaware of what's going on. And I think without being there, without knowing all the details, I think the NFL probably should have had a spokesperson come on TV and, and give some kind of update and not leave the broadcast uh, partner flailing for, for information. And I think that's part of the failure back then. But I don't want to misspeak because I wasn't there. So when something like that happens, you don't really know how you're going to react. But you have to have a communication plan and you have to give whatever information you can give. 
and and hopefully that that's what that's what we're preparing for. But again, when that when the shit hits the fan, you just you just never know. Rich Russo, I've talked to enough directors, um, your um, contemporaries, you know, whether at CBS or NBC, et cetera, ESPN, um, uh, about how teams can specifically dictate your direction, your guidelines to camera operators. You know, if the team is really, really fast, that's going to change just how you direct the game. And I'm wondering, um, at least from your initial research, how do how will the Chiefs and how will the Niners specifically impact the broadcast when it comes to your direction? Well, I would tell you this. I mean, we have seen, and, and you're 100% correct about the pace of play and how some teams play. Um, and that's really the first thing that, that, that we do look at because some teams will get to the line very quickly and it will affect how we approach each pot- potential play, uh, whether it's replay or live. Um, you know, what we've seen, and sometimes these teams will get into a little bit of a hurry, a hurry up, but they tend to hurry up, to, to not hurry up, excuse me. So they tend to huddle, which I think is, we like that. You know, we, I think everybody, I think I could speak for, uh, you know, the CBS guys and Jim Rickoff, Mike Arnold, and Freddie and Drew at NBC who do these games. I think they'll tell you that we, we love teams that actually huddle up because it, because the frenetic pace that we're all, kind of going at, um, especially when a team is in a hurry up, it's just continuous. But when a team huddles, you can kind of take a breath and you feel like you can get the right pictures on. We can get the right replays on. We don't have to necessarily rush things. So I think that's, that's the first and foremost. And there are specifics within, uh, you know, within these two teams that we'll talk about, whether it's storylines, for example, you know, last week with the Niners, uh, you know, the, the wide receivers are very, very good blockers. So it's important for all the cameramen to stay with their receivers. And, you know, we have stories. Richie's looking at stories, you know, with, with, with Troy, myself. And we know to show that. We know that those potentially can be, you know, can, can be shown from replays. Maybe it's George Kittle. You know, he's a great run blocker, that type of thing. So these are all um, these are all specifics that as part of the ISO plan or thought out or thought out of prior to, you know, to the game. Richie, um, obviously the uh, officiating NFL has been a massive story in 20, 2019, 2020. It's probably going to probably be a massive story forever, basically uh, given the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. How do you um, at the moment, how do you plan to incorporate your rules officials? And you have, I think probably the person who's the, uh, the best of, you know, just pie, Mike Pereira is the pioneer of all this stuff. So everything sort of uh, floats down from Mike Pereira. How do you plan to incorporate whatever kind of rules officials you want into the broadcast? I don't want to assume this, but, you know, I know at Super Bowls past, rules officials have been right behind the lead broadcasters or right to the side of them. What's your sort of thought process as to how you want to inform the public if there are plays of, uh, of consequence when it comes to officiating? We've gotten so sophisticated with the, the use of Mike Pereira, and I don't say that in any kind of, you know, self-flagellating way. I, you know, we, we are able to integrate them seamlessly now, and, and that's usually because Joe Buck does it. I, you know, when, when we first started having rules analysts from the studio, and then even, you know, it, it tended to go more from the producer to, you know, let's let's bring him in. But now, when needed, and, and Joe is so, so great, at, and I, we all have the feeling of when Mike needs to chime in, uh, Joe will just lead to him as if he's the third man in the booth, and it and it's it's very seamless. And we don't want to really use him just to question, you know, did the ball hit the ground or not? I mean, we have eyes, you know, we can see just as well as he can. But maybe for the you know the more contextual uh, aspects of a call, and um, and Mike is just so so damn good at it, you know. Um, in a way, you hope that you don't have you don't you don't have to hear from Mike very often. I mean, I think we'd all like a really clean, cleanly officiated game where uh, there's no controversy at all. But again, we have the ability uh, behind the scenes. Mike actually has the ability to communicate with with the announcers in the booth without going on the air. Um, so it's really a very seamless operation and. Um, and Mike is just the best at it. 
And he, uh, just so to be clear, where will he be during the game, Richie? Oh, he's right in the booth. He always has been. Okay. Is Dean Blandino there as well or just Pereira? Dean Blandino will be on site, but I'm, I'm not quite sure uh, exactly what his role will be. I don't imagine he'll have any role on-air role during the game. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right this is either for either of you um you know a couple weeks ago i embedded with um the romo nance wolfson crew which is in your world the jim rickoff mike arnold crew and it was just interesting i mean all this stuff is interesting to me but you know, one of the things that is unique to each broadcast is sort of how much they want to be in in the on-air game broadcaster's ear. Uh, like Jim Rickoff told me, uh, he will probably have far more dialogue and interaction with Tracy Wolfson than he will with Tony Romo and Jim Nance. The only people, generally speaking, in Romo and Nance's ear, IFP, are... Um, are Jim Rickoff, maybe occasionally Mike Arnold, but they try to limit it where the the game broadcasters are really only hearing one person. So for your crew, I'll, I'll take you, Richie, because usually a lot of times this is sort of a producer decision. Um, how, how who co- who is in contact with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh, during uh, games? Who's in touch with Aaron Andrews? Uh, probably Chris Myers or Christina Pink, whoever is the sideline person during games. How does your crew work it in terms of the interaction during the game with the on-air people? Well, I guess that would be me. Um, I've got, uh, obviously, a, a key that I hit that goes right into the headset of Joe and Troy. And I, I Same thing for Aaron and Chris Myers or Christina. And I have speakers, so they can talk to me. You know, when they have to alert me to something, I have speakers that that's how I hear them. Um, and and so it's a constant it's a constant dialogue and it's just like juggling many different sources um you know troy and i are in constant contact uh, uh, about replays and what's coming and you know, a lot of times he'll suggest he wants to see this and then i might suggest this you know i'll sell him on things and he'll sell me on things and a lot of times he'll lead and sometimes i'll lead and and, and we try to you know it's amazing the communication how quickly it is uh we're talking about plays before they're even over in terms of replay sequences. I'm already formulating in my mind what I want to see. And then, you know, for replays, I've got a great tape crew. And for a Super Bowl, I'll have some production help. Um, just take, you know, keeping an eye on the extra things. And the communication is shorthand and it's quick. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing if you've never seen it in action before. And then, um, you know, with Joe, we're always talking about what's coming next. And making sure nothing surprises him, whether it's graphics or, or tape elements or promotional things we have to do. It's, it's always letting them both know what's coming, what's coming. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's quite a process. Rich Russo, one of the things that um, is always of interest to uh, Super Bowl viewers is how the director uh, decides to show what he or she shows when it comes to the crowd, when it comes to the, sort of the atmospheric part of uh, of the Super Bowl, uh, you know, I've always said no one loves uh, no one loves uh, 
you know, find someone who loves NFL owners as much as NFL game directors do. No offense, Rich, but that that is that is my line there. Um, but so uh, so how do you determine that though, Rich? Like during the game, like do, do you have a you, you obviously get ahead of time, like if there are very famous people in the crowd and where they might be sitting. That's pretty standard for sports productions. But um, is it a feel thing? Like you you know, one of the teams does something unbelievable, and you 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 think to yourself, all right, let's see what's going on in the owners box. Uh, or let's see what's going on on the sideline. How do you determine like kind of the atmospheric part of the Super Bowl? I think it's a <clears throat> it's a total feel thing. It it should not be, and it should never be formulaic. Um, personally, for me, I mean, I like to stay on the field and show the players and the reactions on the sidelines. Uh, you know, more so that to me is the most important thing. Um, sure, occasionally we will show an owner or maybe sp- some specific crowd, um, if, if it pertains, if it, if it makes sense. So like before the Super Bowl, we will get, you know, a list of, you know, some of the alumni, uh, you know, where the owners sit. And to be honest with you, I, I personally like the game to, to play out and not go to those shots right away. To me, if you start going to those pictures too much, they're not impactful. They're impactful when maybe you see them a couple of times here, a couple of times there, and maybe when it's later in the game. I think once you start showing, you know, the, the celebs or the owners, especially early, it's like you just want to let the game. It's about the players on the field. It's about the game. We have so many cameras. We're able to pick up all these emotional shots and the emotional pictures that that I don't I would not want those other shots to take away from these pictures that we get week in and week out. But sure, there are times when, you know, the owner's important or celeb or, or crowd. You know, I don't, I don't, and Richie and I say this all the time with crowd, I, I don't like crowd shots where the people know they're on camera and they're mugging to the camera. That to me doesn't do anything. If I'm going to show crowd, I want the crowd shots to be authentic and I want them to mean something. Um, not where kids are just yelling at each other or drinking beer. And yeah, I, I just, that's just not for me and my taste. I'd rather stay on the field and just because if, if you're doing that, you potentially could be missing some type of reaction, which is really what the viewer wants to see. I mean, because ultimately we're there to serve the viewer. And what's constantly in my mind is thinking, what's the most important thing for the viewer at that time, um, you know, to show as far as following the stories. And, and you know, Richie was talking about, <clears throat> you know, with the announcers. I mean, for me, the biggest thing is really for, I think, for any director is the ability to listen. And to react. And, you know, Richie does, like he said, he, he does, you know, most of the talking to the announcers and I can get in there once in a while, obviously. Um, but it's more, it's most important for me and, and any director to, to listen, to listen to Joe and Troy, where they're going, listen to Richie, where he wants to take us uh, as well. Um, and that's really, that's really the most important thing. But there's no, there's no formula formula to crowd in my mind. It's really a feel thing. Two more for you guys. That's I appreciate that answer, Rich. That's really interesting. Um, I've not asked. I've not asked many directors about that. Um, Richie, one of the things that in talking to producers over the years, and you probably share this philosophy too, is like obviously they want the broadcast to be perfect, but what really has to be perfect is um, the 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 plays of the game that matter. The the transcendent plays and in a Super Bowl, the plays that like will stand the course of history, you know, Lynn Swan's over the shoulder catch, you know, Mike Jones's play, like the, the, the most important play of the Super Bowl has to be covered as with as many angles and as many ways as perfectly as possible for the host broadcaster. Do you, um, and so that's my lead up to this question. When you're in the truck, Richie and Richie, again, you can weigh in here as well. Like when there is a play of consequence, like, do you do you know how important that moment is to get right, or are you working on sort of instinct and muscle memory that you can't sort of think about the importance of it and you're just in the moment? I'm trying to get at, like, do people in your position sort of instinctively know, like, holy shit, like, this is the play of the game, and we got to nail this in the in the minute and a half that we have? I think it's instinct, really. You, you, you know, you get so caught up in doing the broadcast that sometimes you don't even recognize that this play will be the key play. Um, and I can think of, I can think of two examples. Um, I mean, clearly once the play happened, you knew the significance of it, but when Eli Manning 
breaks loose from almost being sacked and, you know, hits David Tyree. There was a lot going on on that play. And at first, you realize, that, how did he make that catch, right? And then there's more to it. You know, there's so many components to a big play that you have to make sure that you've actually covered everything. How the hell did Eli get loose? I mean, how did he not get sacked? How did, how did Mike Carey, the referee, not blow the play dead? Um, so I, I think of that. I think of that. And I think of Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl we just did in Houston. You know, we were lucky. We, he, he made this amazing catch. And, you know, the first angle we had was the best angle. And, and that, that's partially luck, partially instinct, partially, uh, you know, the help you get from tape operators who see it. We probably had five good looks at it. And we were fortunate that the first one was the best one. Um, and it came up quick. So I don't think you try to, again, put more stress and realize, oh, my God, the game is tied up and it's still, you know, it's under two minutes and they're driving. It's like you just you just follow the game and, and just let your adrenaline and instincts mesh together and hopefully you make the right decisions. And I will tell you, Richard, like going along those lines, I will tell the camera operator, we, you don't realize it at times, but these are indelible images that can last a lifetime. We take for granted, especially when you get to a Super Bowl, we take for granted, you know, the pictures and the shots and, and making sure we get all the definitive looks and angles. But these are images that you see forever. And these are the, these are the moments. And I, and I tell them you should not take this for granted, these pictures that we're getting, because it's pretty special. And it is about instincts. It is about timing. It is about pacing. Um, but it, it's pretty special when you can get, get those moments for sure. Last one for me, and I appreciate your time today. This is really, I think this would be really interesting for people. Um, one of the things I noticed, I'll, I'll start with you, Richie. One of the things I noticed um, after the game I did uh, embedded with the CBS crew, it was the Patriots-Chiefs game in December, was uh, there were certain people who were in the production truck that literally could not talk to me after the broadcast. They, their mind was and head was spinning to the point where they just needed to sort of debrief perhaps for hours, uh, particularly this guy, Ryan Galvin, a replay producer uh, who has to look at 23 monitors, just basically, I mean, nice enough guy, but he really just could not talk. He could, he had to get away from it. And then we talked the next day, uh, Jim Rickoff, who's in your position, Richie, you know, could might as well have been a guest on the tonight show. Could not talk more about the broadcast. Totally cool. Uh, with that, what about you, Richie? And I'll ask you too, Rich. Like after the broadcast, are you are you guys are you riding like a high, and you wanna you wanna talk to your group, you you wanna relive it, or are you someone who's like I gotta get away from this intensity uh, at least for a little bit, just given what we've been through? I tend to want to like decompress a little bit, but I'm I'm by no means am I like comatose. I don't get that. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting reaction. Uh, probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'm perfectly fine, perfectly normal. Uh, I don't have any issues talking about the game. I also don't have any issues just kind of getting in a car and heading, heading off into the sunset. So, uh, no, I, I find that, uh, the game ends and, you know, you, you feel, you know, usually content, but I don't have a problem decompressing. No. Yeah, by the way, I'll point out Ryan Galvin, uh, he's not comatose. I mean, he was a great guy and just he's just more like, listen, I got to I don't know what the heck I'm saying. Give me a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to decompress and then we'll definitely uh we'll definitely chat. What about you, Rich? Um uh again, uh for people who don't know, you know, Rich Russo sitting in a chair for three and a half, four hours, uh staring at multiple multiple monitors, having multiple conversations with camera operators. I mean, you know, there's so much stuff going through your brain that you got to process in this short amount of time. What is it like for you after the fact? What do you, what do you want to do once the Super Bowl ends? I mean, yeah, you want to decompress a little bit, but I could certainly talk about the game. I have, I have no problem, um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, how we thought it went um, during, the course, during the course of the game. You know, it happens sometimes, and I'll always go back, and we'll always go back and watch the game, obviously, any game that we do. Um, and I don't, I don't never think that we leave with a perfect telecast. There's always things that we can do better, but sure. We'll go back and, you know, I, I can certainly talk to whoever, uh, about specifics of, of a broadcast. No, no question about it. Cause sure it is that those three and a half hours are, you know, you're, you're going a mile a minute and you're, it's continuous and 
like Richie was saying earlier, it's all about, you know, your instincts, et cetera. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's a lot of fun what we do. And we're very fortunate to be in this position. And um, I, I, I do have to say that. So I will say that one thing I would just add is that, you know, when a Super Bowl is over, it's a little different. It's, it's, I didn't mean to be, I didn't mean to be flippant before, but I think there's a, after a Super Bowl, there's a, a real sense of relief. There's definitely a sense of relief. And then usually the first reaction I have is a, just a sense of appreciation for the crew. Uh, knowing that everybody feels the same way, I, I tend to find myself really being appreciative and just, you know, trying to seek some people out down in, down in our trucks and just say thank you, you know. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of emotion after, after a game like that, uh, you know, regular season, maybe a little different after a Super Bowl, you just want to say thank you to a lot of people. I would agree with that because like we said earlier, they all take such great pride and, and there's pressure on everybody that they feel. So, you know, that's, that's a really big, uh, important part of what we all do. Rich, what, what number Super Bowl is this for you, Rich? Not just lead, lead directing, but what number overall? This is actually working in any capacity, my 15th. 15th, okay. And your first one was, were you at CBS at that time? Or I was at else? CBS as a broadcast associate, and wow. Richie Zients was the associate director. Okay, and Richie Zients, how many for you uh, in total, not just lead producing? This would be, when you combine CBS and Fox, I have 13, I believe. 13. Wow, look at that. You could yeah. guys are... You're like the Lombardi the thing trophy, is, you too. You know, yeah, we've seen, but we've seen it all because we've been through every level. You know, we started, we started uh, at, as production assistants. My first Super Bowl was um, in Tampa when the Raiders and the uh, Redskins and Russos was in Pasadena with the Giants and the Broncos. So we've been through every level of it, and we, you know, we kind of, we've kind of, we kind of know the drill and what what it's like. And that is important being at, the, at, at these games because Richie's completely right. You know, just being a part of it and knowing the week that leads up to it, whatever role you're in, you know, just seeing the rehearsals. Because, you know, for somebody getting there for the first time, it potentially could be overwhelming. But the fact that you're, we've been through a lot of these, I think, really helps in whatever capacity we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Richie Zients, uh Mentioned just before all the Super Bowls he's been part of, uh, but this will be his sixth Super Bowl as the lead game producer. Rich Russo will be directing his fourth Super Bowl. Both of these gentlemen work for Fox Sports, and during the year, they are the lead production or the key production uh, leaders for the uh, Fox's A team, which I think everybody listening here knows is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. Aaron Andrews. Uh, Richie and Rich, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. Uh, this stuff is just really, really interesting to me, and I think it's interesting to probably more people than you realize because you have jobs that are just really, really unique in this world. Um, I appreciate the time very much, and uh, and I wish you nothing but a, uh, uh, a contingency fraud, f- contingency-free broadcast uh, <laughs> in, a, in, in a week. <laughs> Thanks Thank so you much, very much. Yeah, thanks for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. Thank you. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to uh, Richie Zients and Rich Russo of Fox Sports uh, for what I think is just really, really interesting stuff. Um, Again, these, uh, you know, they're the equivalents of the top of the profession at whatever, you know, your profession is. They're, they're, they're the producer and director of the Super Bowl. You don't get those positions at Fox unless you're essentially like sort of the best of the best at these companies. So I appreciate uh, their time. If you like these kind of conversations, the uh, podcast before featured John O'Rand of the uh, Sports Business Daily, their media writer, where we had um, we discussed a lot of topics, including sort of the value of a broadcaster and how CBS should look at Tony Romo in terms of paying him. I think they should um, look at him as an asset uh, on their most important production and essentially pay him what whatever he wants to be paid to me is worth it uh oran looks at it a little bit differently for that jalen rose uh the espn uh host and analyst on a number of shows always a really really good guest and uh and jalen was terrific on this podcast for that adam amin the espn broadcaster who does a, a ton of different uh 
assignments, uh, including college football, also the voice of women's college basketball. It was a great job there. And before that, Jim Ross, the uh, now the voice of AEW, one of the iconic wrestling broadcasters of all time, and Joe Neeson, my former colleague at Sports Illustrated, who updates us um, on what it's sort of like to be back in the freelance market and, um, and, and how to approach that. Head down the list of all the previous podcasts if you're interested in this stuff. Um, please leave us a, a five-star review if you like it. And... Uh, uh, and write up uh, you know, a note on the Apple uh, podcast page uh, uh, if you like this stuff. That's pretty much the way uh, this podcast can continue. All right, again, thanks to Patrick, of course, for producing. Um, my thanks to everybody at Cadence 13, from uh, Chris uh, Corcoran to uh, Spencer Brown to Sean Cherry to John McDermott. And we'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.